0: Before we start the show, just a quick reminder that my young adult novel, Rowe and the Midnight Organ Fight, is out now in paperback. You had a clunky, hardback book taking all that space in your library. Now you can have a portable, softcover edition of my novel. Um, I mean, I don't see why you can't have both. But if you're looking to Marie Kondo your library, the paperback version should do the trick. The novel is about two teen detectives trying to solve a series of murders, one particularly bloody summer in San Francisco. And no, it is not an autobiography. All right, let's start the show. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Cold
1: enough, an icy moon thousand junes from lovers touch dark enough a wondrous gloom that must be enough.
0: music of my guest today on the program Ethan Gold. Let me tell you a little bit about Ethan Gold. The LA-based artist, producer and composer Ethan Gold's debut album Songs from a Toxic Apartment left his fans wanting more, and more is exactly what they're getting. Gold will be releasing a trilogy of albums that will surely make his longtime fans very pleased and it will also bring him scores of new ones in the process. The first in the trilogy is Earth City One, The Longing, and it's a stunner. A meditation on isolation and loneliness in a seemingly deeply connected digital world and feeling like an outsider while being on the inside, Earth City One is a moving and heartfelt glimpse of modern life and how it engenders alienation. A sly pop architect Gold's music is warm, heartfelt, and comforting, even when he's exploring the themes that break us all apart. Over the course of his career, Gold has produced and arranged for Elvis Perkins, composed film scores which featured John Grant and Staves, and in the process, crafted some of the most unforgettable pop songs around. A thoughtful and lovely guy, Ethan Gold is the real deal, and we had a really nice chat. So here we go. Me, And Ethan Gold having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
2: of attachment to the past can be really damaging actually it's interesting there's a, a soundtrack i did a couple of years ago for a film called the song of sway lake which was a film I, i've done a, a few films film scores and one a, a couple for my brother among other things but one that my brother uh, ari gold made called the song of sway lake was really about it, this family that is obsessed with the past in different ways and obsessed with old records and holding on to artifacts of of people who have died in in the family. And there's a kind of sense of just how that kind of corrodes their relationships. So anyway, I I definitely uh, think there's a place for nostalgia. There's a, it's almost, you know, there's a, there are times when it can be nourishing. Um, My song on on the record that you know somewhat now in New York and Alexandra and me, which you mentioned before we started to talk, before we started as well they're both in a way reaching to some degree into the past um you know they're both kind of in a way reaching into the past of these two different cities um and looking for the ghosts literally or the kind of metaphoric ghosts the echoes of of lives that have been carried out in these spaces before we were there and there's a kind of there is a kind of allure like a kind of romantic archaeology um and uh so i so i think there's a place for it but I, i'm generally forward leaning i'm i make an effort to be focused on the present uh, although you know as we know that that's that's not always easy as a lot of meditation practices are focused on that um uh but yeah I, there's a strange you know it's like there's sometimes when i've done kind of archival going into my old work or whatever and it it can be it can bring up a lot of depression for for me Mm. um you know i think i've had some difficulties and sometimes it sort of reminds me of of those things and reminds me of of you know death or whatever people who have who have died and and there's a kind of um so so yeah i I try to forward lean but um but there's a there's a place for you know there's a there are times when it can be helpful to go backwards to like it's almost like we go backwards to collect stuff that maybe we didn't it's like if there's a mess back there maybe it's good sometimes to go back and like clean it up figure out what we want to throw out like fully throw out or what we want to bring with us into our present life uh so there can be a value to going back if there's like if you're kind of conscious about it like okay i'm going back to emotionally clean up this thing or go into a memory and really like maybe something's been subconsciously bothering us for years about some memory and we can go back and and sort it out of it so that we can put it away you know and and not have it sort of constantly half in our consciousness
0: yeah because i think the danger of the past is that we tend to glorify it in a way that we, because, because it's a lived life, it's already happened, so there's a safety in, um, but there's also kind of a weird gloss that we put on it. And I I have found for me as a writer, when I go back and look at my old old stuff I haven't used, I'm rarely thrilled by what I find artistically.
2: Yeah, I know, I'm actually often thrilled by what I find artistically. I, I remember reading a, a quote from Leonard Cohen, some some interview some where he was a, kind of a similar, he said he was like reading his poetry from when he was 15 or 16. And he was saying, you know, there's a kind of something along the lines of, you know, there's a, he found that there was a real wisdom in it that he, something, he said something like, in some ways, more wise than my older self. And then maybe in most ways or or something like, you know, he, he actually found a lot in, and i found there, um, I, I've actually been surprised by some things that i found in, in my past work that I appreciated and, and reminded me of perspectives that I may have forgotten. And some things are naive and, you know, there are maybe artistic choices that I'm like, okay, I would not do that now. Or, but um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I think there's a place for it. You know, there it's like these cycles in life where there's times when it's okay to go back and there's times when you really, it, it would be you know, an unnecessary uh, weight around your ankles to go backwards. But I think there are moments in life when, when it can be, you know, maybe your timing for going back into your old work, maybe, maybe in five years, you'll go back and you'll have a different way of approaching it. You know,
0: I think the problem for me is I'm the contrast of, of the progression is where I get kind of stuck. Cause maybe there is some, you know there might be some teenage wisdom in there somewhere for maybe uh in the case of me the big maybe um but i but I do think that because the progression of the work is so clear to me where oh i I used to do this kind of skeletal thing and now I do it in a more fully formed way mm-hmm. um that I get snagged on that, and I go, boy, the other stuff feels so primitive i guess the, I guess that's what it is, yeah. You know and sometimes i guess
2: my thought sometimes for me primitive is is positive you know yeah um there are times you know I, but again i i my feeling is it's like when you go back is important like if you if you're kind of ready and it's the time it's, it's a there are moments when it's a good thing to go back and there are moments, like if you stumble upon some old thing while you're focused on present work then it might be like what is this crap i don't even want to think about this but if there's a time when you're wanting to have the experience of collecting those old energies, so I, I think it's about kind of like how it, it's how you do it, not if you do it. It's you know, it's the st- the state that you're bringing back into that experience of of your personal artistic archaeology or whatever.
0: What about the music that you listen to? I mean. I remember, I've mentioned it before, but I remember I talked to Billy Bragg many years ago and he told me that, he said I still love The Clash, I just don't feel what I used to feel when I listened to The Clash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has happened to me with some stuff that I used to just carry around like armor. You know, where I, I mean it, where the list of stuff that feels like it doesn't quite hit me the way it used to. I still, I still love it, but it just doesn't do it for me. Um, which is kind of a, which is a sort of painful moment when you kind of go man that used to really rev me up and now i just remember being revved up right. um do you find that experience also with the art that you take in um in in your life
2: yeah i mean absolutely i, I um, definitely i feel it more with with things that i take in than with my own stuff i usually can find i can access stuff something in in my older work for myself um but often hearing old things yeah some things age well and some things are like this is just was relevant for a certain moment or something yeah like you say like an armor or or like a you know spear or whatever it was some kind of something that that resonated at a certain time i'm staring over at, at my music collection that's why i'm looking over there that doesn't resonate for you on screen here, but anyway, I'm thinking about, yeah, I'll pull things out and, and uh, I think a lot of the things like you are talking about, a lot of the things that may have been important at one time aren't anymore. Um, And uh, when I try to, you know, that's why we listen to new music and, or listen to old, you know, have new things in our collection that might be older or whatever, but we, 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 we don't listen to the same, Few records for a whole life.
0: No, no, which is good. I mean, so when you write your mu- when you write music, when you when you sit down and create, I mean, I understand how the past can inform the the sort of the sentiment of of songs. Like, I totally get that. Can you also have the same experience with the future? Can the future inform the work that you're doing as well?
2: That's an interesting question. Um, I certainly have written songs, and not necessarily thinking of them as the future, but they're you know writing about things that don't that haven't happened yet, or writing about sort of there's probably a better word than fantasy, but like you know an idea of a life that doesn't yet exist, so um you know writing about relationships that aren't in reality or states of being that I'm not actually experiencing. Um, and I've definitely written about things that don't exist in that way. I've, I've never really thought of it as writing about the future, um, you know, uh, but certainly in the sense that you're, you know, as a creator of any kind, you're envisioning something. Well, unless you're totally focused on the past or writing memoirs or whatever, but, but we're, you know, we're envisioning something that doesn't exist yet. So that's, I guess that is in a way a form of, of a future. Um, uh, but I, but I had never thought of it as like literally an actual sort of timeline future that I'm conjuring, but it's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, I'll, I may try that on for size. Well, yeah. I mean, I think in
0: terms of, of, there's nothing more intoxicating than possibility. So even, even if you're writing about the future Mm -hmm. as a possible place to be, um, Mm -hmm. I, I could see the allure of that
2: yeah yeah uh i have you know i i i dream songs a lot so i I suppose that's in a way of whether it's wherever that's coming from um you know it's often uh, a scenario that i that i haven't experienced yet you know there's there's often like a scenario in the dream with like a soundtrack or somebody singing in the dream um and these are all things that are being that are not being uh reconstituted they don't feel like they're being reconstituted from the past they feel like they're sort of being yeah maybe reconstituted from the future i i know there's a uh there's a physicist in the bay area who believes that the past can influence sorry the future can influence the past he's got a whole bunch of theories about that about how the future influences the past that's way above my uh my uh Physicist pay grade, Um, but but it's an interesting idea. You know the notion of time being, you know, not not one direction. Which, you know, if time is in fact a uh, you know a dimension, we know that it it, the others aren't only one way. So it makes some kind of sense that time would also not be one direction either. Uh, So more more abstract than i usually uh go in my songwriting but well, but but yeah if you think about it though, i mean we
0: talked about Leonard Cohen i mean cohen has that song the future where he the line is things are going to slide in all directions mhm um yeah. and and then he, and then he says but then he says i've seen the future and it, and it is murder
2: <laughs> yeah i i i yeah, i remember i i don't I don't love that line. I don't I actually I haven't fallen in love with that period of of his work. Um, like it I don't know there was something kind of a little bit like kitschy about like the production or something. I think on that future wreck, you know, are he's like using like a sounds like a drum machine out of like one of those keyboards, you know, those kind of dime store keyboards where there's a drum machine like yeah. In, Or, you know, which at some point I was like, well, this is kind of an interesting way for him to produce himself or whoever, you know, Proust or whatever. But, but in that it's another kind of like him with a classical guitar or whatever in the late sixties, it's another form of a really simple presentation of the songs. It's just this, just happens to be a different one, you know, with like a, like a little chord setting, you can like, play you know the chords with one finger and have the drum machine the sort of pseudo drum machine playing and then sing you know just a naked voice so there was an idea that like okay this is an updated version of folk music for the 1980s I think is when that stuff that you're the future I think that's when that record came out I don't
0: remember I know with he started doing it when I when I I first got the I'm your man record which was my first Foray and DeCone, I think when I was like my, my, a teenager, and I noticed that and I was like, What's happening? What's why is there a drum machine? It was so prominent that I thought it can't, this has to be intentional for it to sound like this. And he kept, he never really left that drum machine, <laughs> he kept doing yeah.
2: it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it became the thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I really, you know, my only explanation I, I, I'm just imagining is this I'm hitting with, with one of those keyboards that has like a built in thing and like you can play the you know the core and it was just simple and he's like focused on the poetry of the words and you know the melody and wasn't that interested in in arrangements um i like personally like having poetry in the lyrics but i also enjoy the kind of arranging part of things and, and creating a sonic landscape that's different for every song but i definitely there, there's something very charming about that just bone simple approach um that that you know i i heard the same thing good. there's got to be an idea behind this yeah but it, but it is funny that he stuck with it you know and never went back to the you know beautiful uh maybe he did on something i you know i'm not i, I don't know his whole catalog but but that sort of early stuff that was all these you know just lovely classic guitar figures um, yeah. somehow i don't know Maybe he got arthritis and it hurt his fingers to do that stuff. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure, but uh, I but you're right. I I remember feeling like, wow, that's that feels like a very specific choice, is what Mm -hmm. I remember thinking. Mm -hmm. But um, it took me a while to kind of warm up to it. Once I did, I didn't even notice it anymore. It just like that sort of splishy sound that he was doing. (laughs) It was kind of weird. Right. Which, in terms of your process, how have you um? How have you been in the last year? Have you have you been sort of informed by <clears throat> in terms of what's going on in the world, obviously with Covid, were you more productive or were you less
2: productive? In
0: this
2: um, I was I was I don't know I was I was a more productive, well, I don't know. I, I was doing a bunch of videos. I, I, that's something I spent a, a lot of this Covid period. I've been working on videos, many of which were done with my phone and then archival footage and putting things together. Uh, you know, in a kind of um, non—you know—not like with a crew, like it's all done capturing footage and animating things. And so, a lot of the focus was on doing videos that are be that some of which have already will already have come out when when people are seeing this. Um, and uh, so, finding a way to visually express this record that I've been planning. Um, and I my writing never slows down. I, I did. You know my, I, I write a couple songs every week. There's that sort of that's, that waterfall tends to stay on. Um, so that that was carrying on. I uh I did find recording, I, I just started recording again actually. Um, and bringing you know doing stuff by remote and trying to kind of do that thing of sending tracks back and forth. But I found for a while the notion of actually recording because I, I used to record. You know i'm playing everything myself i've de- I've done that on a lot of things and i'm at a point where i don't enjoy that at all i really want to work with other people other musicians you know even playing parts or whatever uh so doing a remote style recording is something i've just kind of gotten into in the last few months um started recording again in that way and it's it's interesting i you know i i prefer being able to be in a room with people you know because You can allow those accidents to guide you. Um, And I, you know, I tend to have a pretty clear arrangement in my head when I write a song. I I know what I want to hear. So I can do that and I can say, okay, you know, I need this exact part and I can describe precisely what I want. But that doesn't, you know, there's some downsides to that because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't allow for the the surprises as much. So you better be surprising in your mind uh, when you're doing that because you're not allowing chance to create those things so um you know maybe i could go to maybe i could go to Eno's oblique strategies and uh, which i've never done but it's interesting maybe i could use those cards you may know about the he's uh, if you're familiar with that it's something that in the 1970s you know and who was it somebody Schmidt, i think somebody a collaborator of his uh produced a A deck of cards that was kind of functioning in a way like a divining thing but particularly focused on people in the studios and it was these kind of little prompts of things to do to kind of shift your mindset you know it would say things like I forget everything you know or make a chaos or pick the second thing that you thought of or these sort of random instructions I I don't think any of those are exact but random instructions to kind of give you some direction uh with your creative process it's not something i've ever done but it, it just as we're talking it occurred to me to do some kind of randomizing thing while while i'm still for the next couple months you know likely to be doing most of my recording on my own just to add an element of of chance um, that's actually probably a good idea um, so uh, so thanks uh but yeah no so i saw i i've been creative on some things on videos and i'm writing recordings slowed down because i just i, I couldn't kind of embody it or I didn't want to be doing it in this piecemeal way um so but yeah and i've actually been writing a uh, poetry is a kind of strange thing that's come up in my life in the last. It started before the pandemic started but um in 2019 i Kind of became part of a poetry scene which is something i would have never thought i could even never thought that i would that that would be something that i experienced you know i think of it as more of a night you know 1950s beat thing like the idea of like a, a, you know but it's really like it, here in la there in the east side of la there's there's kind of like a you know there are parties where people do poetry and garages and 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 at events and there was just bar near me where there's a really raucous night of live music with poetry on stage kind of amazing and something that i wouldn't again like wouldn't have expected to to so i became a bit of a part of a couple different groups of people that do that and was doing some live poetry on stage a lot of times like writing at the bar and then going on stage and you know shouting my guts out um, so, some of those groups of people have continued during the pandemic to stay in touch, and we have like little kind of writing sessions. And um, so, that's been a, a, a new development in my life, and something that I personally really like, but also like culturally, I'm really happy that that's at least in my city something that has developed. And in a way, I think it's weirdly an outgrowth of, I mean, it kind of feel like it's. It's odd to say this, but I feel like it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Trump, because there's this kind of almost, it's just things have got, things got so kind of extreme in one way that there's this, there's a sort of reaction of like, okay, what, what the, you know, what the heck is going on? And I don't know, this sort of like, we're going to find our own culture and make our own culture. It's kind of like a zeitgeist shift that sort of bubbled into some really positive things in the culture. you know, it's all because almost like complacency is is no longer, you know, doesn't doesn't make sense anymore, or, or like so we have to make our own world. I think there's a bit of that feel there, there was a bit of that feeling, and I and I hope that continues. You know, under a new administration, that people don't sort of forget to make the right life and the right choices. Um, you know, that 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 kind of idea of like we need to be tinkering with how we live in a way that goes more towards consciousness and connection and all those things, that needs to continue whatever is happening, not just in terms of politics, but also for me, I really hope strongly. I mean, it's something I'm almost frightened about that I don't want people to go back to the same kind of madness from before the pandemic. I think maybe I'm not alone in feeling that, that there are a lot of things that that are you know ho- it's horror for a lot of people they're also some of the shifts in the way we live have been positive i mean the fact that we're doing is a zoom interview and that doesn't feel weird it doesn't feel you know that companies like why don't they do their meetings digitally or a lot of them like why are people what, is there really a need for so much commuting and so much gas being burned with you know travel and unnecessary commuting and you know, we want to be able to have human lives again and see people, but let's keep the temperature down. I mean, literally, but also in terms of our uh, our way of life, like a little bit of the sort of quiet pleasures that I think have become more culturally acceptable and people have discovered, you know, cooking at home or, um, you know, reading, <laughs> those sort of simple things that, that I think got a a bit forgotten, like in the culture, if you know what I mean. Like, like obviously people did those things, but but like on a broad sense, the culture had gotten really noisy, chaotic. There's a sense of almost like FOMO, like everybody was like addicted to FOMO, and so then we've had a year where there wasn't much to miss out on, you know, Uh, and that's really healthy uh, to not be living your life trying to chase. Experiences that are just not relevant to you and you don't actually want but you feel like you should want or whatever So that's for me as the pandemic seems to be You know moving out on the way out I hope we keep a lot of those lessons as a civilization
0: the idea of of writing something at a bar and then you know four minutes later getting on the stage. First of all, that's totally in keeping with how the beats believed that you captured the ecstatic moment of creation. For you, it it flies in the face of how you make music because you really are sort of an architect when you're making music, right? So you're crafting and you're tearing down your building and you're thinking about it and you're, it's a process when you're writing at a bar and then a couple minutes later, you're going up there and you're reading, that must be very thrilling. And I wonder how that also informs your own process for your music. Oh,
2: it was wonderful. I mean, not only would I be writing at the bar or, or shortly before or doing writing, not at the bar, but kind of in a very fast way, but often you jump on stage and I, reading the poem that I've just written. And as I'm playing live and, you know shouting at this band to do like kind of play certain rhythms i often i would make changes to the poem while i on i was on stage so it would, became another form of a spontaneous creation like i would jump i would realize that there's a paragraph that i should jump over or i would phrase a line different you know change a line so there was a real like you know jazz spontaneity to it um and you know again very much reminding me of the sort of beat you know approach um and it's not a coincidence i think that those guys in the 50s were you know in love with bebop which of course you know the the actual bebop players was incredibly technically difficult it wasn't like they were just randomly doing stuff like it was very you know that was high level skill but also then put in you know put in the service of a, a free a free form of expression um But so for me, for my music, um, it's definitely come into the writing that I've done in in terms of like the poetry of it. Um, I think that's where maybe my frustration with was expressing in terms of recording, because recording, especially recording alone, when, as I do, I tend to think in terms of arrangements with a lot of instruments that cannot be done simultaneously. I can't play six instruments at the same time and create a recording. So yeah, it takes some architecture but in terms of the writing a lot of times it still is kind of sitting back and just allowing a spontaneous experience whether i'm awake or asleep but like getting into the zone and hearing the song in my head and often that is still a spontaneous experience but um for me the 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 thing that's informed it most is i was expressing things and i've been expressing things in my poetry of the last two years uh that weren't coming out in the music actually and that was kind of interesting it was like it it touched a different organ or muscle or something i, I think for some reason maybe because the way that i sing there were certain things that just didn't feel right to express musically but in in the poetry and i like actually you know it's odd a lot of people think people who maybe don't know but think of poetry as sort of like a soft kind of flowery art form, I think, you know, those, you know, in American culture, poetry is not a mass popular art form. There's an idea of like poetry is sort of like a wimpy, you know, there's a, the cliche of like a poet would almost be like some kind of poncy, you know, person who has no no guts or whatever. But for me, my, my, my interesting one, my songs are much more kind of sweet by far than my poetry, which is, was quite uh um a lot of it really a bit violent and kind of there's a whole this crazy kind of forceful energy that was what was coming out for me in the poetry for whatever reason you know and so that may inform later work i don't know it's not something i've thought about directly like how it's how it's informing it but it's certainly a different avenue for creativity and maybe it, it sort of Maybe it's like a bloodletting. It allows that stuff to kind of live in a form, so that you know what I'm doing with music can not be uh, you know um, infected by by energy a, a different energy. I don't know. It's it's almost like a different character or a different different spirit comes through me with poetry. I don't know, that's and none of that stuff. You know, I've I, I haven't published, have I? no, I have a couple of things that actually are going to publish it but i I'm still a completely unpublished poet there's a, there's a few things that that may be happening but um but it's just a wonderful expression and and for me also the sense of community um has been really important because the the um I found more of a community sense with this poetry scene <laughs> funny word but um than than I ever did with the the music scene here um actually. I did, there was a phase a few years ago when I was running songwriter nights where I was kind of hosting nights with, and that had a, that developed some community sense, but the general kind of like indie band world in LA somehow always felt very atomized, um, much and, you know, kind of like silently competitive sort of flavor a little bit. Um, And so, uh, and that, the poetry, group is much more kind of nurturing and sort of you know mutually supportive and there's a sense of like oh, well, everybody's finding a different voice i love what you're doing with this and you know some people are are more advanced than others and that's fine it's like i don't know it's, it's really it's it's wonderful in your heart you're a singer
1: but nobody likes the sound of you. That beat just opens her mouth and they weep That faker look like he got so soul but he's a creep Someone else, it's you Showing off your health, it's you Telling them that it's wealth, it's you Burning to be the prize, it's you Swarming around their eyes, it's you you beat them with your fame, it's you I never beat your shame, it's you Firefly In your heart, you're a dancer But nobody likes to sway Since the day you turned 13 Your body's been your sinking ship Your mother says you're good She says cream will always rise someone else it's you showing off your health it's you telling them that it's wealth it's you burning to be the prize it's you swarming around their eyes it's you you'll beat them with your fame it's you another beat of your shame it's you firefly stop reading those magazines Someone else, it's you Showing off your health, it's you Telling them that as well, it's you Burning to be the prize, it's you Swarming around their eyes, it's you you meet them with your fame, it's you i never beat your shame, it's you Firefly
0: surprised by the sort of the the element of violence that's coming through in the poetry did that surprise you and did it also did you find it to be cathartic or or was it a little troubling (laughs) like I didn't know Uh, I had that in me
2: I I think I knew I had it in me um and so it was actually it was more cathartic um you know uh particularly I mean more so you know before the pandemic when that when I was performing at some of these I ended up know performing at some of these poetry events and it was really like a visceral you know it it wasn't just a. there was a physical experience that i was having um on stage and there's you know again like this kind of abstract live music happening that because i'm a musician i would usually go on stage and kind of say hey do this you know give them like kind of very simple instructions that they could follow and then um yeah it was a bit of an exorcism at times um from and uh so it was it was not su- surprising in that i knew that the that those rages were in me um so it was more cathartic yeah than than negative i mean it generally would feel good actually feel great to let it go um
0: yeah that's that bloodletting you were talking about and i i also think like sometimes if the circumstances can change if you can tweak the circumstances a little bit, it can also tweak the entire experience. So for example, if I had you walk on a plank that was on the ground to just walk across this plank, you could do it with no problem. But if I lifted that plank 10 feet in the air and said, walk across that plank, you would be more careful because there's more risk, right? You, mm-hmm. you could fall. Um, if, you, if someone said to you, write poetry at the bar in an empty bar, that you're not gonna perform. Just go ahead and just take an hour or take 10 minutes and write. And then if you add into it, now you're gonna read these and there's people there. I wonder if the poetry would have been different had there not been a performative element. That's the version of the plank being lifted into the sp- into space, right? Like, So I wonder if if people being there and there was going to be a performance, if that almost made you braver, even though that probably sounds terrifying to some people who are listening, maybe that also felt for you encouraging.
2: uh, It was encouraging because it's like, it's it's encouraging, I think, in the way of, by the way, I hope this chair isn't too squeaky, but I um, I know (laughs) you're hearing that, but uh, I, uh, it it was encouraging in the way that doing anything that challenges oneself is encouraging. Like when you know you're like, okay, you know, I'm gonna jump in this cold lake or I'm gonna, whatever it is, I'm going to talk to that person that I wanna talk to and I'm scared to and if I falls, but you're still exhilarated even if you get rejected, you know, like is it, like if you go talk to somebody, you still feel better having done it even if it doesn't go well, usually, you know? uh, certainly, I mean, you know, things can go terribly, but like, it's, it's, it's better had just the having done it, you, you've already achieved something. So I think, you know, definitely that, that there's a kind of fire, like walking through fire, like literally, you know, walk, fire walking, you know, it's like, okay, there's a crowd here and I'm going to do this and I'm just going to ride this electric energy. And, um, and, You know, there's a little bit for me, the way that I would do it. And I think not everybody in this, you know, scene, everybody was different. But I I, definitely for me, there was a sense of like tapping into some kind of weird, you know, raging, raging, you know, almost like a, I don't want to say a priest because there's so many association with it. But there's like a kind of shamanic kind of like madness thing that, that I was doing. I mean, I was, you know, not going into speaking in tongues or gibberish, but it was, uh, it, uh, I I was definitely fortified by the sense of fear in myself and, uh, the energy of the room. And sometimes being like this room needs more energy, it's getting a little timid. And so I'm going to go, you know, light a fire on stage with the way that I'm showing up and, you know, what I'm saying and how I'm saying it and how I'm, you know, shouting it into the mic or whatever, so. Um,
0: what made you decide to shout, just out of curiosity? Like, why was that the choice of, of conveying that, of the, those, those words that you wrote? Why was the, the choice to sort of project them in that, with volume,
2: um it wasn't so much a choice um in the kind of intellectual sense it was it was it was more of a feeling and the poems usually wouldn't start shouting you know uh, but uh, but i would i would be really just trying to express the words the way that they were meant to be expressed and uh, you know i happened to be coming out of a very dark period and so i was saying you know they would come out the way they i felt like i wouldn't you know advantage shouting at all it was if there was part of it that that was supposed to be shouted it'd be shouted if there's a part that was supposed to be quiet or soft or sweet or menacing or yearning it would be that but there would be a there would be pretty big you know there's a pretty big range yeah But, you know, for me, I think for me personally, the most kind of memorable part was that I would get, I would get to parts where it was rather, you know, uh, intense what I was doing. Uh, So I mention it because it's not something I do in my general life, you know. Um, And, uh, but I think there are certain things that, that it's like, you know, everybody wake up. There's a little bit of a sense of, you know, I love this, this scene. I love this, these, these events, but sometimes it would get like, you know, people were sitting and there's a little bit of a cool factor thing going on, you know, with, with the cool people and the cool poets and the pretty people who get up and do pretty things. And I don't know, somehow it just motivated me a little bit to, to like, to, to, to light matches in there. Uh, I, I can't really, you know, I'm, 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 explaining it retroactively, it wasn't really a decision. It was just more of a, of a sense of, of what, what I needed to do.
0: Yeah. And there's a huge risk because when you do that, it can, I mean, even if it lands, when you're done, the, the big question is, are people going to be like, it's going to stay away from that guy? Or <laughs> yeah. are they going to be, or are they going to embrace that guy for having been so brave? i who knows
2: it was both i mean i can tell you from experience having done you know there there would be times when i would get off stage and there was a a sense of like whoa you know uh but but frequently what would happen is is i would get but i was doing what felt right to me and as an artist at a certain point you have to just do what feels right to you and so if you're doing what feels right to you it doesn't matter that much so i i felt like i was expressing things and again it wasn't just like up there like screaming for you know it was there generally would be like an experience that was happening so I felt you know as somebody who's done other kinds of creative work I felt like it you know I felt there was some validity to you know to to what what I had created on those stages and um but Usually what would happen is that, you know, I'd be milling around or whatever for the rest of the evening and and there would be people who would be coming you would come up to me and tell me, thank me, you know, for doing what I was doing and saying like, I, like my whole day changed when you did that. So I think it was the kind of thing that some people maybe didn't want that sort of thing happening on stage and other people really, really did. So it was kind of, for me, that was good. Uh, That was, that's a, that made me happy as a performer. Um, you know, I've done you know performing as a musician, but like when you get feedback like that, you know, after a show, when when people you don't know are coming up and making sure to find you to say you changed my whole perspective, not you know necessarily my whole life perspective, but right. you know something shifted for me when you did what you did. You know that that that's all I needed to know. And if some people found it, you know too intense or whatever, that's fine too. You know, or if they've found me a little like, a guy's like, you know, that's fine. That's fine. That's a trade-off I I will always take rather than everybody saying, you know, that's sweet and pretty nice.
0: (laughs) Well, I imagine that the, the rawness and the immediacy and the electricity of that moment of, of reading on stage, creating, reading, um, and having a reaction. That's a really powerful triptych of, of uh, moments. I wonder when you then got in the habit of doing that and then went back to creating music by yourself in a room. Um, I wonder if that, if that seemed, uh, I don't want to say less thrilling because it's a totally different discipline but I wonder if the rawness and the immediacy was missing from that did how did that feel to sort of shift gears
2: yeah i mean i i it's something i miss it's something i want uh to be performing again as a as a musician um and you know obviously that hasn't been happening for the last year um but uh it's it's an energy that i want to bring into that i actually did do a whole bunch of live streams um you know, just very, very casually, like with my phone, like not even with a proper mic or whatever. And it was um a different way of express that was something I did a fair like over the summer of 2020. And and it was something I just started as like an experiment, like a lot of musicians like, oh, I guess there's this live streaming thing. And I I never really turned it into like a professional type of approach. It was always very casual and I was taking requests and you know, through the phone and moving around between different instruments and um and so that was another way to you know but it was there was a nice spontaneity to that and it was a different kind of energy it was like a conversational way of performing that involved a lot of feedback from you know the audience like i basically was like a jukebox i called it jukebox roulette had people like picking songs or picking songs they didn't know Uh, so there was an element of of live experience with with my live streaming i eventually kind of it sort of ran its course, um, but uh, so that was, I think, something that I, that I did bring in a way, maybe from the poetry experience back into my live performing, and then, but I will say for recording, I haven't, fig- I haven't cracked that nut yet. The pandemic seems to be ending, and so I, I may be able to get in rooms with people again, um, but, but I, I have found it difficult to create that kind of energy with recording itself. Um, Not with writing, not with these live streamings, uh, but the recording process has been feeling, you know, felt a little stale. Um,
0: Yeah, and is that why you said earlier that you missed the sort of energy of working with people? Uh, That working alone has sort of feels like maybe you've had enough of it for a while
2: yeah i mean i'd had enough of it before the pandemic because i i've done so much recording on my own yeah. playing you know uh playing you know most of the instruments or all of them in a bunch of cases um and so yeah it's been a i'm looking that's one of the things i'm most looking forward to is um and and i'm somebody who can do it alone and i i'm you know i tend to write and arrange in my own head so i'm not somebody who Needs the other people to like, you know, like I tend to write the parts that are on my recordings, even if I'm not playing them. Um, but there's something—it's just not that fun. I mean, I mean, just put it like yeah. in the sort of simplest possible way. It's just—it's just kind of not that fun for me anymore. And like, you know, just like just hanging out with someone, like cool, like okay, you know, and I can produce them if there's a, a player that I'm working with, I can produce and like, you know tell them direct what, what I want and make micro adjustments on the fly. And, um, it just, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to that again. And I'm very much looking forward to, you know, I'm suspecting that'll be 2022 playing live, you know, touring, but, um, we'll see, but, uh, th- but that, that experience where it's truly live and it's all happening at the same time is, uh, like, Stepping on to do poetry for the first time—it's scary. It's spontaneous. You don't know what's going to happen, but there's a possibility for creating. You know, every time the song is played, it's a different song. It's a different experience. Uh, it's some lines that might be more build-up lines become where the focus is, and and you can kind of change the read. You can change the meaning of a song by how you perform it. So, um, in ways that are probably too subtle to even describe but you know you can feel audiences can feel them so that's all stuff I look forward to um and you know I think everybody on the planet has their version of that you know with this exhaustion of of being you know shut in or unable to express unable to interact um so I I do look forward to that much as I want us all to learn the lessons of this time period
0: (laughs) well i mean when you take away the live performance or jamming in the studio with people but mostly primarily the live the live element, to have that off the table, you lose an enormous part of the discovery process of the composition, which you Mm -hmm. learn about, like you wrote the song, you know the song, but when you're playing it live, it reveals its different layers of itself that you wouldn't normally get a chance to to even be acquainted with if it weren't for that performance.
2: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, there's been, I've been doing a fair amount of like playing a song and imagining, you know, having to just sort of like imagine the rest of the whole scene you yeah. know, and then going, Oh, I guess I, I guess this needs to, you know, uh, you make some changes, but yeah, it's not the same, you know, but it's okay. I mean, this is, this is, you know, I've had it relatively easy, you know, during the pandemic and, you know, I, I guess I just want to kind of you know, honor that reality that there are people for whom this has been, you know, catastrophic and yeah and, you know, so but it's but like but you've you are we talked
0: about the future and looking forward to things but i imagine you can you know it's easier to visualize that happening now than it would have been six months ago
2: yeah yeah right. yes, yeah. So, yeah during the, the the middle of it i i don't know how you dealt with but i i really kind of was like okay we're in this and i just kind of accepted the reality that we were in i anticipated it was going to be over around like like over over by i don't know something like january of actually first i thought it was going to be over over like in september and then i was like okay it's going to be january it's going to be like nine months it's going to be like a pregnancy you know (laughs) and and i was like yeah that makes sense that's it's gonna like we're all getting like a chance at another womb experience to kind of close in and and be reborn in a new way and it ended up being a little longer, <laughs> a little bit longer than that, still. But any uh, so after the uh, after the nine months, I started I, I started getting much more uh, antsy, personally. Um, you know, and uh, you know, so we're still. I'm not. We're not quite there yet. I'm not quite no. there yet. But um, but ah <laughs> ah, maybe when the I guess when this airs, we'll probably I'll probably have been vaccinated and. Uh, and so, you know, when, when I mean when this interview it, it, it exists, yeah, will be it'll, we'll have a little mini time machine here. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly, yeah, because
0: it, it can go one of two ways. I mean, it looks to me like we can either be through this by the time your you know your record hits, uh, or the double mutant variant you know becomes this kind of unreasonably difficult thing to harness. I mean, I sort of, I, I, I think we're going to be okay, personally, but yep. I I don't want to get too confident.
2: Yeah. Well, the record will be still an expression. I mean, it's interesting, the record Earth, Se- well, it's a trilogy, which, I don't know, it's an odd thing, but my record is part one of a something I'm planning over the next couple of years, which is really, which was planned before the pandemic. Um, the But the subject of it really is about kind of some of the stuff that the pandemic, in a way, was in a mythic sense about like what i was talking about earlier this sense of our excessive connection while also sort of being disconnected from ourselves disconnected from each other and disconnected from nature um and so earth city really is my prescription (laughs) for 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 that on a kind of uh civilizational basis which i guess i don't really aim low with my intention excuse me with my intentions with my uh with my art which i i'm embracing that i that i uh have um you know ambitious spiritual aims with what i'm doing creatively i know it's maybe not the most common artistic uh I don't know, you talk to a lot of artists, you can tell me better than I can, but my sense is that I, I I think about my role in the world more than than most musicians I know. Like I think about the meaning of what I'm doing a lot. And so creating an album that for me has meaning that I'm intending to kind of do something that's gonna have a positive effect on, on people's relationship with themselves and people and the and the planet um, that's what this trilogy is 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 about so um, so whether the pandemic is still going or not i I, I think the 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 prescription is still relevant
0: <laughs> yeah so. yeah for sure no I think I think you're hundred percent right and I think that uh, you know of course of course it's it's I have to really credit you also for having that kind of vision because um you know I'm not sure what i'm gonna have for lunch and you've got a trilogy planned <laughs> i mean that's it's pretty that's pretty good vision in terms of future vision and i i think you know you and i started this by chatting about the past and i'm i'm probably guilty of having my whole life having been kind of future blind and now i'm trying to be more purposeful with how i direct my life and the things i want to achieve the idea of you planning a trilogy over the course of the next few years to me is that plays right into my area of interest because I, I like i like that you're able to visualize that and you're able to conceive of this is the organizational plan for the next couple of years If that's i mean credit to you to be able to sort of see like that artistically that that's what you want to achieve
2: on the other hand <laughs> i don't know what i'm going to have for lunch <laughs> okay so we all have our we all have our ways of seeing the future i am i'm, right. I'm i have no idea i i I, the and the result of that is that i rarely have a have a you know i it's always sort of a chaotic you know and something i've actually been has been advised to me like hey you need to like take time and like take lunch breaks and like you know because i tend to just kind of grind through these like huge ideas that i'm trying to manifest and you know it, it 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 makes it, it can be exhausting. So, so I, I can learn something from you. With uh, you know, maybe I need to start my day with thinking about lunch and thinking about like you know planning. I, I no, honestly, I mean I'm being a little bit silly, but there's I think there's actually a a, a real truth in there. You know, uh, of of like honoring those very important self-nourishing small you know medium term future or small term future like those steps you know like and making that a good step making having my lunch a good step so you know we all we all have our, our areas of, <laughs> of of comfort and I tend to seem to be uh, comfortable in that sort of like huge like tapestry that is rolling out over. I don't know, that's that's like my comfort zone.
0: <laughs> so, I get it,
2: it's like saying to a therapist, like how do I feel comfortable about my position in this chaotic
0: universe? And the therapist says, let's just start with lunch. Let's, yeah, let's just that's, start there.
2: Okay, so, so yeah, <laughs> so I just need to go back to the lunch bit, you know, and cover that. And then uh, maybe maybe that's, that. maybe that's the, the key, you know, focusing on that step in front of the other. But uh, yeah, I don't know, I've always been kind of built that way. Um, I don't maybe I don't, but it's something something you can learn I think it's something that you can learn by by taking the time with with oneself to like what why am I doing this whether it's art or anything in your life you know what why am I doing what it's what's the what's the meaning of this like what is the am is this something that has meaning for me or am I just doing it because I thought I was supposed to at some age in my life, and I got programmed with this. You know, they stuck a thing in my psyche that you you do this. You know, you do this with job, you do this with relationship. You <laughs> yeah. Do this with, you know, what you eat, whatever. You know, whatever it is, and then we just run run those programs. Sometimes it's like, okay, what is this? What is this program in here? Is this actually my code, or is this somebody else's code? Like us stuck into my. I guess we can't see him. I'm. I'm I don't know why I'm imagining it this way, but it's like this code gets like embedded. Side, so,
0: it's in, for you, it's in your side for some reason. I would think it'd be in your brain.
2: Yeah, well, there's brain in this chest too, you know. The brain, there's, there's so, uh, but yeah, so that code, yeah, a lot of it's in the brain too, you're right. Um, so taking that code out, you know, and figuring out is this my code or is this somebody else's code? Yeah. And if it's somebody else's code, do I want to save any of it if not burn that shit excuse my language I don't know if this is the kind of podcast where I've I've held my tongue a couple times uh but uh and then okay what's left maybe maybe I don't know what my code is now now with my present tense not in the past my present tense consciousness learning you know but where am I now how can I write my own code how do I want to how do I want to be in the world what do I want to leave for the world if you think that way some people do some people don't um you know even if it's i just want to be happy what does that mean so what does that mean for me period uh and you know i think i happen to lean towards you know involving oneself in making the world better i is part of a complete nutritious breakfast um but but uh you know some people aren't built that way and i i think that's okay too you know i think just getting to a, you know whether it's because somebody's had so much trauma and there's some for me i'm like there is that's something that i could get better at you know focusing on happiness um i think that's a part of a mix that that is um uh an area of growth that i could look into more um, and, and that's real, you know, it's kind of a practice, like, you know, figuring out what makes me happy and, and okay, then do those things, you know, f- figure out what they are and then do them. And it could be actions, but it also could be mindset things, you know? Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, w I I think when we started talking, when we met right before this, it was like, life is weird. I <laughs> think it was the we agreed life is weird and it continues to be weird it's an odd thing that we're doing this whole this whole living thing it's super odd
0: it is odd i know but the 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 alternative is is less appealing
2: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: um i've enjoyed talking with you man i i love your music and i i've always found your stuff really fascinating and uh and quite thrilling i i love um and i love the new stuff so much so i'm I'm excited for the trilogy and I'm excited that you've decided to come on the program. I, I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate you you following the threads. So it, was, it was really a fun conversation.
2: I appreciate your going going deep, you know? It's uh, it, it's something that I think music journalism and journalism in general, uh, it, it's really a good thing to to broaden the conversation. So thank you.
0: You're gonna broaden the conversation. Ethan Gold is the guy you want to do it with. Uh, very, very nice, nice guy. Uh, very thoughtful, very sensitive, very, uh, very circumspect, very honest. I enjoyed that, and his music, fantastic. You heard it. You should hear more. Uh, Earth City One, The Longing, is out now. Go to ethangold.com and uh, pick up a copy, and uh, read up on the next two installments because they're coming and this this is a a project with tremendous scope three albums and if earth city 1 is any indication 2 and 3 are going to be monsters really looking forward to those albums alexgreenonline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with our radio station find out what makes us tick you can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at emberspodcast, Podcast, or you can just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, tell a friend, leave us a rating, maybe a nice comment or two. We really do read those. So thank you in advance for all of that. Let's close the show with a longer listen to "Storm Coming" by Ethan Gold. This is a powerful track. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. Cold
1: enough, an icy moon, a thousand Junes. From a lover's touch, dark enough, a wondrous glue that must be. Love to grow, we dug for salvation below.